Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and welcome back for week two of Family Month here at Cedar Creek Church. And I'm so glad that you've joined us today because I am so excited about our Mother's Day guest speaker. I'm excited not only because she is my wife and the love of my life, but also because she is one of my two favorite mothers in the entire world. So will you give a warm Cedar Creek Church family welcome to Miss Terry Lee. Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church, and thank you so much for that warm welcome. I'm excited to be here this morning, but you know, as I was looking at Facebook, scrolling through Facebook this week, and I realized that they had posted about my speaking, I thought, oh, maybe that's not a good idea, you know, with all of our, that our family has been going through over the last eight months, and with people reading my posts, especially as well, on mental health issues and mental illness, depression, and suicide, all of that, I thought, you know, there may be people who don't want to hear those things on Mother's Day. Uh, we don't want to talk about death and dying and depression and anxiety. And so oh, I want to start right off the bat this morning by saying that though we are still walking in our grief and still in pain, that this message is really not about suicide and death and depression and anxiety. This message, I hope you will hear a message of hope and peace and joy this morning as you hear this story. You know, I have a podium up here, but for me it's not a pulpit. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a mama who wants to share a story with you this morning, who wants to share a word of testimony to tell you how God has been moving and working in my life this morning with the hope that you will find hope and strength and peace in the pieces of your life as well. So as I begin to think about Mother's Day and reflect about raising five children and the things that I've taught and told my children over the last five years, over the last 29 years, I thought, you know, I've always told my children that life is about a journey, not one particular destination. God is moving us through our journey in life, and we're not to really try to get to one place or another, and then to think that we finally arrived at a destination, but it's more about a journey. And then I've also told our children at different points in their life that, you know, we don't get the box top to the puzzle that's being put together called life. Oftentimes, we sit there wanting to see the full picture, but not really having the vantage point that God does of knowing the full picture of what's happening and what's going on in our life. We have it oftentimes one piece at the time. And so when we go through life and we have only one piece at a time, how do we move in that? How do we find peace in the pieces of the puzzle? when we yearn to look at the whole box top like God has and to find peace in being able to see that full picture. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, finding peace in the pieces of your life. And so I want to start right off by sharing with you from the book of Job 17. 
You know, Job was a guy that knew a lot about shattered dreams, wasn't he? He had family that was taken from him and so many pieces of the puzzle missing that he could not understand. And so I found myself over the last eight months kind of identifying with where Job was maybe in his life. And listen to the words of Job in chapter 17, verse 11. It says, My days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. And so I can identify that this morning with that this morning. And I can tell you that oftentimes in my life and in your life, our dreams will be shattered. Our dreams will be shattered just like Job's were. You know, I became a Christian at the age of 13 years old. And at that age, I knew my life had changed. I knew I had made a gargantuan decision that would change my life forever. But I didn't really understand the ins and outs of that and how that would look, how that would really feel until I was at the age of 17. And at the age of 17, I suddenly became an orphan when a car ran a stop sign and hit my parents' broadside. My dad died instantly and my mother died about an hour later. And so all of a sudden, that perfect family picture was shattered. That perfect family picture of having everybody there and having my peace in that perfect family picture. And so I continued on and decided, being raised in the small town of Dillon, South Carolina, that I was going to leave Dillon. I'd had enough of that. My dreams were crushed, and I didn't want any more part of being in that small town. And so I left for college, went to nursing school, and Philip and I met and were married, and he began to apply for jobs all over the state of South Carolina. I began to apply for jobs for him. And lo and behold, he got the only job offer in Dillon, South Carolina. And so I went back kicking and screaming and crying probably for the first couple of weeks saying this is not one of the puzzle pieces that I wanted to hold. I had no plan for that to be back in the picture. But it was and so off I went moved back in and for four years had the opportunity to spend time with my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother and that allowed me to deal with so many things in my journey that I had not dealt with four years early I was able to grow and move past so much of that and so I was so thankful for that time so thankful for that time. Even when we can't hold that box top, we need to trust some of those pieces that we're holding in our hand and trust God that is working in our life. And so in 1989, while we were in Dillon, we had our first son, an almost 11-pound baby boy. And then in 1990, we were gifted with another precious son. In 1991, we had a beautiful daughter, and I can still remember Philip exclaiming, it's a girl. And in 1992, we suffered a miscarriage. In 1993, a precious, precious son. And in 1994, another daughter. And so at that point, I had Philip Lee's britches super glued on to his body. <laughs> 
No, we were blessed beyond measure. And I didn't really understand that. I didn't really understand how I was going to be a mother to five children, why God had placed five children into our care at that time. But then did I know that my perfect family picture had arrived again. And I held on to that perfect family picture that became my peace, my source of hope and strength and happiness and joy. And I was so thankful. <coughs> you got some water? Sorry. That became my source of joy. Until a couple of years ago, six years ago, Rick's car swerved off the road on the edge of Highway 39. And there he was in ICU for several weeks and then transferred to a rehabilitation hospital in Georgia and remained in a coma. Thank you. And I prayed and begged God for weeks to return my family, pi family picture back to the place that I thought it needed to be. And God heard my prayer and miraculously Rick was healed. He woke up from that coma. He learned to walk again. He learned to speak again. And my family picture and my peace and my joy and my strength and my hope was back. Fast forward just a couple of years though. And our oldest son, Philip, began to struggle. We didn't even realize how much pain he was in. I'm not sure that he realized how much pain he was in. We continued to watch Philip and reach out to Philip and try to help Philip. But on September 6, 2018, Philip became utterly and completely hopeless. And Philip took his own life. And so all of a sudden, I realized that my dream was forever shattered. My perfect family picture. The place where I had received all of my hope and peace and joy and comfort and everything that I had placed value in was gone. I'd wander around the house late at night. I'd rearrange pictures. I would stare at pictures. I would beg to have that perfect family picture back. But it would never come. So what do you do? How do you find peace when there are nothing but pieces left? How do we find peace when things are shattered? And I will tell you this, it was not easy. But I am finding peace one day at a time. One moment at a time. And today I want to share with you how you can find peace when your pieces, when your world is shattered, when your dreams are shattered. So let's look at number two. You can have a new dream and a new purpose. This is what I've realized over the last eight months. You can have a new dream and a new purpose. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I had heard that verse. 
I had memorized that verse. I had heard it in Bible school, Sunday school, adult worship. All my life I had heard that verse. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. I loved my family with everything I have. I can tell you that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with loving your family. Nothing wrong with dreaming a dream. It just wasn't the right dream. This place, this world, our family, the things of this world, it's not heaven and home. It's not the dream that we were promised. John 3.16 says that for whosoever loves God and believes in him will not die but will have everlasting life. That's the dream. That's the reality. That's what gives peace. That as we believe in him and put our faith in him and put our trust in him and put our hope in him, that is reality. And that's what brings us peace and hope when our dream is shattered. I have realized the greater dream that I was missing because I put all my hope and my dreams in my children and in my perfect family picture. It's not the right dream. It's a great dream. It's just not the best dream. It's just not the reality. Oh, hear that reality this morning that you can have peace and hope in Jesus. You can have a glimpse of heaven. I have a glimpse of heaven every day when I spend time with my family. When I look at my precious granddaughter, I have a glimpse of heaven. My perfect family picture will be in heaven one day. And that's giving me peace and hope. And it's given me a new purpose. Because as I find peace and hope, and I think about the great pain and struggle that Philip was in, it has given me new purpose in Overflow Foundation to be able to reach lost and broken people who are struggling with mental illness and substance abuse and give them, number one, hope in a relationship with Jesus. And number two, hope in connecting with other people who can take them by the hand and who can walk one moment at a time and not isolate and not give up. I have found a new dream that is a reality and I have found a new purpose in my pain. And you can do the same thing in your pain. God's word says that while in our pain, in our affliction, he comforts us so that we can then therefore comfort others in their affliction so that we are, while we are in pain, I will not sit in my bedroom in grief, buried in grief, hiding in my home, isolated in my pain. God will strengthen me and he will strengthen you one day at a time in your pain and in your shattered dreams to be able to stand up and give hope to the people who you are walking with, to the people God places in your path every single day. We're not just at work to work. We're there to be hope and to tell people the reason 
for our hope. Oh, hear that this morning. We have a reason for hope that my son just could not hear. So how then do we find that hope? How do we find that peace among the pieces? How do we do that? It just sounds like a bunch of daisies coming up or looking at life through rose-colored glasses. Well, that's great. Just grab hold of God and everything's going to be fine. It is a daily struggle. It is difficult. It is painful. But it is possible. And so this morning I want to give you a couple of ways that it is possible to find that strength and hope in setting your sights on Jesus. Let's look at the next verse. It says, You cannot believe everything that you think, but you can believe everything God says. We cannot believe everything we think, but we can believe everything God says. Everything, every time. Everything, every time. Everything God says. Every time. No, that's just meant for those people who, you know, have more faith than me do or who trust or that's just meant for the other people. That's not really meant for me because... You don't really know what I struggle with. You don't know what's going on in my head. That stuff's not meant for me. I don't know. John 3.16 says, whosoever. And so I'm taking that literally. It says, whosoever. That means you. And it means me. And so oftentimes, we have the stuff rolling around in our head. We think that God does not have a plan and purpose for our life. We think everything is just happenstance and that a sense of luck, well, whatever happens, happens. We think there's not really a plan and a purpose and that God is working everything for good. But God says that there's a plan and a purpose. God says, trust me. There is a plan and a purpose. And he says that I'm working everything for good. I'm working. I'm working. Not everything is good, but he is working. And we think sometimes, well, God doesn't care. Nobody cares. I can't connect at school. I don't have any friends at school. I don't fit. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I've tried to reach out and tried to connect with people. Nobody cares about me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, God cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your care on him, for he loves you and he cares. He cares about everything you care about. Talk to him. He cares. One of the things that we often hear is, I'm no good. I don't measure up. I'm ugly. I can't walk. My face doesn't look right. I have curly hair. I wish it was straight. My mind doesn't work right. God's Word says, God's Word says in Psalm 139, you are fearfully, 
and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. God did not make a mistake. God is working everything for good. And we need to get to the point in our lives where we stand firmly on what God says, not on what we think. Stand firm. And when we have our mind set on the things that God says rather than the things that we think, it allows us to renew our mind so that we can focus on the right stuff and keep taking a step forward. Focus on the right thing. How else do we renew our mind when there's so much stuff, when we're being inundated with the junk of this world? How else do we renew our mind? I would say that we do it by seeking God first, seeking Him first, and second, and third, and fourth, all during the day. You know, I was aware right after Philip died, and for many, many, many days after that, um, as I was opening my eyes in the morning, and sometimes even before I opened my eyes, as I was coming out of that deep sleep and began to stir and was realizing that I was waking up, I could feel that suffocating pain of loss and of grief coming to lay down on top of me before I even got up. And there were days that I thought, oh, I... I I don't want to walk in this again. I can't walk in this again. I don't want to do this again. But I would remember those verses that God comforts me so that I can comfort others. And then I would flip on my worship music and I would lay there and I would listen. And slowly, piece by piece, moment by moment, I could feel God strengthening me as I took his hand and said, please, dear God, walk with me today. You know, we hear 9-11 described as pre-9-11 and post-9-11. Well, my life now has changed to pre-9-6-2018 and post-9-6-2018. Pre-Philip's death and post-Philip's death. And prior to Philip's death, many times when I came in here to worship, I was distracted. I was thinking, man, I'd like to be at the beach, or I'd like to still be in bed sleeping, or man, I hope Ben is going to sing that song that I love, or so many distractions in my mind. But I'm going to tell you, post September 6, 2018, I come in here desperate, desperate for worship, desperate to meet God, desperate for Him to show His face to me, to comfort me, for Him to show me everything I need to be able to step into the next week. We need to come desperate. For worship we need to come desperate because I'm going to tell you something 
If you're not desperate, if the circumstances and situation in your life right now do not have you desperate, there may be someone sitting beside you who is desperate. There may be a single mom who's trying to get through the day raising her children all by herself. There may be a single dad that's trying to be mama and daddy. There may be someone who's dealing with substance abuse, who's trying to stay away from it, and who came to worship for the first time begging God to give them strength to stay away from that stuff. And they're seeking strength. And they want to find worship in this place. They want to meet God here. There may be someone here who's Marriage is falling to pieces. There may be someone who, here who is dealing with infertility and yet is staring day after day at a negative pregnancy test, screaming at God, why is this not happening? There are people sitting right next to you this morning who are desperate for worship. And when I come to that side door, oftentimes now on Sundays, because I am not ready yet to be out in that foyer, still walking so many days in severe pain, I come to that side door and one Sunday morning I came and I remember it was locked and I said, oh, don't lock the door. I have to worship. And you know, that day I didn't worry about whether or not I knew the freaking words to the song and I didn't worry about what color the lights were or whether or not they had Krispy Kreme or Dunkin Donuts I just came to worship and I found Jesus because that's what I came looking for and so I'm so thankful that I'm in a posture of desperation I'm asking you to come desperate for worship and to be desperate every single day of your life to be desperate, to fellowship with God, to talk with Him, to walk with Him, to be in God's Word and to know what He says so that when those thoughts come to mind and you're struggling, that's what comes to mind. I'm asking you to be desperate. Desperate's not a bad place because we find Jesus in our desperation. We don't find him in our comfort. I didn't find him so much. I had a relationship with him but didn't find him so much. Wasn't seeking him so much in my perfect family picture because I thought everything was perfect. I thought I had everything I needed, everything I valued in that picture until I didn't. And I realize, oh, there is so much more that I need to be looking at and grasping hold of. There's so much more. I was asked to speak at USCA just a couple of months after Philip died. And I wasn't really sure what in the world I wanted to say. I knew I needed to. I knew I wanted to. Um, I knew that God was slowly but surely giving me pieces of a message after the loss of Philip that he wanted me to share. 
but I really wasn't sure where to begin. And so I went downstairs and opened my Bible, and I had Philip's journal with me. Uh, he began to journal when he was at Penfield Christian Home, the place where he went for substance abuse rehab. He was there for six weeks, and so he journaled every single day. And so I've kept this close to me, and I've read it through and through so many times since September. And on this particular day, I began to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to say to this group of students? I know they're probably struggling. Maybe there's substance abuse in their life. What do, you, what do I say? I'm still in pain, and I just don't know what to say. And so I was flipping through Philip's journal and reading and flipping through my Bible. And I came across this in his journal. This is a letter, actually, that he sent me that I saved. He had torn out and written me a letter the day that he left for rehab. And it says, to my mother, it says, All I want is for you to feel peace. One day... You and I will do great things together. And you know, we will. We are. All I want is for you to have peace. And then I turned this over, and this was the picture that Philip colored for me and sent with this note. And that day, as I was searching for what to say to this group of students, it just so happened that I came across this verse. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so for the first time in my life, for the first time in my life, I did not focus on the negativity in that verse. In this world you will have struggle. We will. But my son himself, pointed me to my peace. And so now this morning, Philip and I together point you to your peace. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are working even when we can't see the box top, even when we don't see the whole picture. Lord, we trust you. Lord, it's a hard walk. And we admit that this morning. And we admit that there are times that we look for our hope and our peace and our strength in every single place but in you. We look for it in our job, in our marriage, in our family, in our finances, in our friends, in substance 
substances that can take the pain and the hurt away, we look for peace in so many places. But I thank you this morning that you have given us a message of hope and peace and joy. And I thank you and praise you and we worship you because you is where we find our peace. Amen.